Let's set this up a little bit, okay? The fifth chapter of Galatians is the movie's climax, if, uh, if Galatians were a movie. Um, he's going to talk about this conflict that we're going to discuss today between the world of the spirit and the world of the flesh, between following the spirit and following the flesh. Um, he has used that word flesh dozens of times in his writings, Paul has, um, but he uses it in different ways. So uh, to claim a singular understanding of Paul's view of the flesh would be mistaken. Now, I, I look up the word, if you want to write it down, the word that is translated flesh in Galatians 5, uh, what is it? We're going to start with about verse 16, 17, somewhere in there. Um, uh, um, the, the word is Sarx, S-A-R-X. Um, interestingly, it is the expression from which we get the word sarcasm, which literally means to tear the flesh. So the next time you decide you want to get a little bit sarcastic, you're being fleshly, okay, in the truest sense of this term. Uh, the word uh, it talks about physical matter of living creatures. It can talk about the human body specifically. In other instances, uh, flesh is regarded completely negatively, uh, referring, referring to um, uh, circumcision in some of his writings in Galatians and Philippians. Uh, it refers to rebellious human nature and desires. And uh, in other places, he's going to refer to it as a temporal lineage in contrast to an eternal one. Today, where we're going to study, the word sarx is going to refer to the carnal, unredeemed self and its rebellious nature and desires. Now, I'm looking at really holy people. I'm sure none of you have a problem with the conflict between the flesh and the spirit. But because I need this, we'll study it, okay? So let's go to uh, Galatians 5. Steve Blair, can I get you to start at verse 16? And why don't you go ahead and read down to 21? That was sarcastic. That was sarcastic, yeah. <laughs> well, I say live by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, <clears throat> drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Cindy says I should have stopped. Yeah, we'll stop at 21. We're going to pick it up right there because that's the good stuff. We want to stop with all the carnal, fleshly stuff, and then we'll pick it up with the good stuff in just a minute. Yeah. Uh, although I hate to stop you right in the middle of that list, Steve. <laughs> Let me pass out a couple of verses that we can look at that are going to help us here. Who will grab Colossians 2, verse 6 and 7? 
John, you get that one? Okay. Uh, Cindy, can I get you to go to 1 John 2, 6? 1 John 2, 6. And then I need somebody. Karen, I bet you'll do it. 2 Corinthians 3, 3. That'll get us through the next little section. Actually, let me give you one more. Somebody will jump over um, to chapter 6. We're going to read verse 7, 8, and 9. Who will do that? Thank you, Sally. Okay. Now, Paul is going to begin with a metaphor. It's going to about talk about how do you walk. Now, I've been with enough of you uh, of advanced age in recent, uh, in recent months to know that a lot of us, my age and older, begin to be a little more concerned about how we ambulate, all right? Um, we put a new piece of furniture in the middle of the kitchen four or five days ago, a little island, and of course, I stumbled over it this morning while I was making coffee. I forget it's there. It's right there, big as Dallas, and I'll turn from the, from the sink to the coffee pot, and you know, I almost ended up in a heap. I was wearing a pair of flip-flops five minutes later and turned one of those, and that's another thing. I'm concerned about, more than ever, about how I ambulate these days. I don't know about you. It's the idea, the metaphor here is it's important. Um, uh, let me fill in your blank so that you don't worry about this. Paul desired for them to allow the Spirit to motivate their behavior. And he's going to use a word here. He's going to say, be careful how you walk. Now, one of Rhonda's favorite passages of Scripture, Cindy's going to read real quick. 1 John 2, verse 6. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Christ did. In the NIV, that word will be, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus walked. Isn't that interesting? That, that imagery here again. Uh, so, in the first century, students um, followed literally in the footsteps of their rabbi. Uh, one of the things that, that kind of get in our heads as Jesus taught the 12 disciples is they would literally fall behind him like, like uh, so many ducks, baby ducks, listening to what he had to say, asking questions along the way. I love that imagery. That's how an, a rabbi taught. So if I'm a student of whoever, I'm going to follow literally in the steps of the rabbi, uh, learning as as I listen and as I applied. Now, notice here that Paul didn't tell the Galatians and didn't tell you and me to invite Jesus or to invite the Holy Spirit into an already established pattern of life. Can I say that again? Notice here that Paul didn't invite them to invite the Holy Spirit into an already established pattern of life. Uh, there is a different way I'm going to walk once I've met him, following the Lord Jesus. It's really quite simple. I just walk as he walked. I just follow along as he leads me through life. Okay? Now, you and I both know it's more complex than that. All right, so, um, John... Go over to Colossians 2 and read verse uh, 6 and 7. 
So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Okay, so this idea of I'm going to let my roots grow down deep. And again, the idea of walking as he walked. Now, look at verse 17. Back to Galatians 5. Look at verse 17. This frustration that Paul talks about here shouldn't really surprise us. Um, the spirit is against the flesh. These are in opposition to one another so that you, you do not do the things you please. So um, uh, there's all kinds of passages that talk about this a little bit. But um, the, the problem is, as you try to walk, a conflict ensues. Uh, you can't fully embrace the ways of the flesh or fully embrace the ways of the spirit at the same time. Catch that? I can't do both at the same time. I am learning that I can't walk and chew gum at the same time. But I certainly can't pursue the flesh and pursue the spirit at the same time. It just won't work. That's Paul's message here. To a, a group of people who lived in a pretty despicable world. We're going to talk about that. Steve uh, read through that list of kind of things that were going on in their culture. And by the way, as he read them, I'm going to guess you found them fairly familiar to ours, right? So our lives should be led in tune or in step with God's spirit. Um, Karen, read 2 Corinthians 3.3. 3. You, should, you show that you are a letter from Christ, result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. He has written his law, not here. Oh, it's there. But he's written it on my heart. I'm reading, I've just finished reading the book of Jeremiah, and he talks about this, about how the Spirit is etching his law on your heart, and therefore it's guiding you moment by moment by moment. I don't have to, in, in the middle of making a decision, I don't have to say, wait a minute, let me go get my Bible. In a momentary decision, I can say, Holy Spirit, guide me now, please. Okay, um, I'm, I'm at risk of offending my dear, dear, good friend, John Kimbrough right here, but I can't resist. Uh, the year was, I can't remember what year, but it was a million years ago. I was um, marching with the uh, uh, mighty Midwest City Bomber Marching Band in the bowels of Texas in uh, at the, in San Antonio at the Fiesta Flambeau. It's a big, big, uh, we marched in a parade. We, we did a, a halftime show thing at a, at a, uh, at a uh, football stadium down there. Anyway, big deal. And, and, and uh, the band in was really good at that time, not because I was in it. I was only a sophomore. But, but um, 
because we were led by a, by a legend by the name of E. Paul Enix. Look him up, you can probably find him. He was a, he was a Hall of Fame high school band director for a thousand years in Midwest City, and I was there somewhere in his tenure and uh, learned a lot from him. But we're at this parade, um, and one of the things that I most enjoyed and will remember from 50 years ago, or whatever that was, is um, we followed right behind, in, in one of the parades we marched in, we followed right behind the Texas Longhorn Marching Band with their big obnoxious bass drum. You know that thing? It's like big as, it's big as a bus. What? Big Is that what it's called? I didn't really need to know that, but thank you for adding that. <laughs> it's just big and obnoxious is all I know. And one of, the, one of their favorite songs be, besides playing I've Been Working on the Railroad, which they called the Eyes of Texas Are Upon You, is uh, a song called, now you'll never hear it again without thinking about I've Been Working on the Railroad. Uh, they play a song called Grandioso. Look it up. You, I can hear, in fact, I've been humming it in the back of my mind ever since I thought of it this morning. They play this big, bum, bum, bum. And they played a lot, played a lot of football games, and they played it in front of us. But we were better than they were. And so our drum majors, who were cocky, would cue it up right after they played it. <laughs> Going down the streets of San Antonio, and we were all pretty smug in the way we played it, all right? When I played in the marching band at Midwest City, I wasn't really good, but I knew enough to know that if I looked down the row and everybody was out of step, it might have been me. <laughs> and by the way, Mr. Enix would let me know if I was out of step. He'd been known to throw batons at people, okay? Out of step is the idea here, out of tune. So one of the things that we learned in high school band is I had to be in tune and in step, not out of tune and out of step. Both of those expressions are right here. The idea is that my life should be led in tune with, in step with the spirit. Just follow him. No more living in that bondage that we talked about last week from Galatians 3. But walking in tune with him and in step with him. All right? If I look and the Holy Spirit is at a different pitch level, if the Holy Spirit is walking a little bit different than I am, then I'm the one that's got to get back in step. I'm the one that's got to get back in tune. And so Paul begins to talk to them about, don't live your life anymore in bondage. Just walk in step with him. And as a means of getting there, he begins to describe all these kind of bad things, all right? All of them, in verse, beginning of verse 19, indicate a lack of self-control, uh, which he's going to talk about at the end of verse 23. Now, the Galatians lived in a sexually obsessed world. Huh. Yeah, I, do I even have to say anything about that? It's interesting. They lived in a sexually obsessed world. They lived in a world that treated one another, uh, to use my mom's word, ugly. 
Brad, that's our world too, right? So he contrasts here, beginning with verse 19, a list of vices and virtues. Guess what side of that I'm going to need to be on if I'm walking in the Spirit? All right. I think it's going to be in the virtue side. I think if I follow him, he's saying the virtues, the virtues will just kind of follow along. Like so many, you know, hound dog puppies. They're just going to follow you if I'm following him. Now, but first he kind of talks about these vices. So he's saying the vices and virtues are both evident. They're obvious. That, that word is there in verse 19. Look at it. Um, I forget which one is used in mine. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. What word is used in yours there in verse 19? Obvious. obvious. You catch it? It's going to be obvious whether you're in step with the flesh, sarks. And it's also going to be obvious if you're in tune or in step with the spirit. Catch that? Isn't it interesting? It's kind of simple, really. Am I walking with the world or am I walking... Uh, with him, kind of the idea. So um, Paul gives a strong warning beginning in verse 19 and 20 and 21. And um, he uh, talks about how um, I better be careful lest I lose my inheritance. And he talks about four groups of kind of bad behavior. I'm not going to take each one of them apart, but I'm going to give you kind of the, a, a synopsis of the four groups, okay? Group one, extravagant sexual vice. Now, I didn't make that phrase up. I read that somewhere in a commentary this week, and it just kind of explains my culture. Extravagant sexual vice. It gives us several words to kind of go along with that. The second group. Uh, we could call idolatrous acts of worship. Idolatrous acts of worship. So it's the idea here. Um, um, witchcraft, idolatry, those kind of things. Third group, treatment of others. Okay? It, notice what is, I think it's interesting that included with all these kind of nasty things that you and I think about, um, uh, Immorality, impurity, sensuality, uh, and then idolatry and sorcery and all that. Then it includes in that enmities, which is struggles, fights, strife, jealousy, uh, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions. Wow. Those are included in the list right in the middle of all these lists of other kind of really, it seems like really nasty things. Our treatment of others kind of matters here. And the fourth group, it kind of public displays of overindulgence or self-destructive behavior, okay? So he doesn't kind of leave any, this wasn't intended to be an exhaustive list, but in that being said, he doesn't leave a whole lot out, does he? Uh, we could probably add a few things to it, but otherwise it's a, it's a pretty good little list here. Um, now, uh, Sally, would you go to chapter six? So you know, on my Bible, it's just across the page and read verse seven, eight, and nine. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. 
for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. My inheritance is good things, but I got to live in them. Hey, and he's warning us here against losing that. I, I, I just think that's a beautiful synopsis here. Don't be deceived. God won't be mocked. Whatever you sow is going to come up someday. Wow. What an imagery, you know? Okay, now, let's quickly jump over to something good, okay, from all that. Ugh. All right. Uh, John, can I come back to you? I want you to read, if you would, please, verse 22 down through 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Okay, go with me. Uh, let's do a little bit of a sword drill here. Go a couple of pages to the right. Go to Ephesians 5. So it's the next book, Galatians, Ephesians. Remember I told you my mom used to teach me General Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Okay. Go eat um, popcorn. Do what? Go eat popcorn. <laughs> I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. Go eat popcorn. Go eat popcorn. Maybe that one's easier to remember. Okay. Uh, I'm going to get that one in my head. All right. Go to 5.9. All right. Now he's going to use this agricultural imagery here. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. All right. Jump with me to um, uh, the next book to Philippians. And we're going to go to Philippians 1. We'll start there. Having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. And then jump down to verse 22, same chapter. But I'm to live, if I'm to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose. By the way, there the word sarks, he's using just to describe physical life, human life. But he says, if I'm going to go on, I want to continue to be fruitful. So we've got this agricultural thing going on here that comes to a head here in verse 22 and 23 as he gives us these nine fruit. And again, it's not intended to be um, uh, an exhaustive list, but nine fruit here. And same idea in Ephesians and Philippians to be fruitful. If you walk with him, submitting to his spirit, these will be evident. Um, and if you'll walk, the idea will be, and Paul seems to be really um, interested in us understanding. I, I have seen... Um, uh, kind of artist renditions of this, where you've got a cluster of three grapes and a cluster of three grapes and a cluster of three grapes, but all of them equal love. So the idea here is, the fruit demonstrated here, all have a singular goal, living a life of love. Um, um, I, 
If I walk with him, I will live the loving life that he lived, and it will look like all of these things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, uh, goodness, self-control. Notice that we started with self-control. Kind of that This whole list kind of ends with that. So the idea then in verse 24 is that I have to put to death an old life. Um, Somebody go, can somebody go to Romans 8.13? Romans 8.13, would you get that one? Thank you, Cindy. Um, so, I got to put to death kind of an old life here. Um, I'm, I'm going to, um, uh, I'm going to go back to um, part of Paul's testimony in the book of Galatians. It's found in chapter 2, verse 20, where he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. In the life which I now live, interestingly, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So there is a potential here that I can even crucify the flesh and it can live all over again, can live a brand new life. Cindy, would you mind to read Romans 8, 13? For you live according to the flesh. Excuse me. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. All that list of putrid things that he talked about have to be put to death, he says. And he says, as for me, I've been crucified with Christ, and now I live in the flesh according to the Spirit. Interesting, isn't it? That he can even change the way you walk, the way you live. And we're going to do that, verse 25, by following the Spirit's lead. Listen how, it, listen how it's worded in um, the New American Standard. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Interesting. Interesting. Um, in terms of my 66-and-a-half-year-old body... I don't have to worry about stumbling anymore. I do, by the way. Uh, physically, I do. In my, that part of my sarks. But if I'm following Jesus, I don't have to about worrying, worry about stumbling into something else that's going to be destructive to me. That's going to indicate that I am someone other than who Christ made me to be. So... Um, so I'm going to keep in step. I'm going to follow the Spirit's lead. Now, in verse 26, it's almost like he just for a second thinks of, oh, yeah, but these guys were having trouble in the church fighting over some things. And so uh, he ends this passage with, let's not become boastful or challenging one another, envying one another. So the idea here is that humility also breeds unity. Now, I'm going to go over a couple of books again to the right, to Philippians 2, and here's how he's going to say it there. Same writer, talking to a different group. Um, In 2.3, he's going to say, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. What a radical thought. If you'll just defer to one another, he says, out of humility, the people around you are going to say, well, I don't know what those guys are into, 
but it's sure working. Because they really love each other. That was a, a, a first century thing written by, uh, written about by secular historians who just viewed the church and said, I don't know what they're into, but whatever it is, it's working because they really love each other. It's obvious. Remember that word obvious and evident back to verse 19? Okay, so we're in the, kind of the climax of this whole thing. If this were a movie, if this were a movie, it would be a classic battle between the bad guy, Sarks, the flesh, and the good guy, the spirit. But you don't have to jump to the end of the movie to see how it's going to turn out because the spirit has already won the battle. He's just trying to win it with you. In the daily conflict between the flesh and the spirit, we need to recognize that the spirit has already won. That battle was fought and won at the cross and the empty tomb. I've just got to appropriate it in how I'm walking day to day. You and I live in victory. Can I say it again? You and I live in a time and in the potential for victory. But it's a moment-by-moment choice that I've got to make whether I'm going to live walking by the Spirit or walking by the Sarks. What are you going to choose today? You've been given everything you need. I've been giving everything I need to walk in the right way. Interesting. As I think about my life these days, the temptations are much more um, subtle. Have you noticed that? If you've followed him for a while, the temptations are a lot, lot more subtle. You know, it's not, um, when I was 17, I, I could almost see a guy in a red union suit carrying a pitchfork when he was after me. I don't see that right there, the guy in the, yeah. I don't see that as much anymore. It's more of, um, I'll have an outburst of anger about something or feel like my feelings are hurt over something because I deserve this and I didn't get it or uh, you can't treat me that way. It's much more subtle. But if I'm really careful and perceptive, I can still smell sulfur all over it, okay? (laughs) From the fires of hell. Okay, so when I was in San Antonio in the middle of that parade, I wasn't all that good, but I could play in tune, and I stayed in step. My challenge to you this week is walk in tune, staying in step, and you'll never fail. Have a great week. Um, Happy Memorial Day. I hope you get to spend some time with family and friends and eat a hot dog or something. And I'll see you in a few days. Bless you.